Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi. I am your host. And two things. One is I'm recording on a Sunday because um, last week I recorded on a Wednesday on Thursday, it came out that the SEC was going, it was suing Elon. And I was like, Whoa, I, I should probably talk about that. And then I listened back to the podcast that I did on Wednesday. And it was like the greatest hits of me rambling about all sorts of things that don't involve this podcast. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to re-record it and we'll just call it good. Um, yeah. And the second thing is, is there's still no theme music. And I'm, I'm thinking about hiring somebody to write me a theme song because the original theme song I wrote as kind of a placeholder and when nobody was listening. And it's a little bit harsh. It's a little harsh on my ears. So a little too, min- too much in the high tones, high notes. So we'll try and get somebody out there to write it and uh, create a new one. So that's on my list of many, many things to do. Next up is Castle Rock. That's the thing that I like this week. Castle Rock is a a TV show on Hulu. Uh, It's set in the Stephen King universe. I'm on episode 9 of 10. It's fantastic. It involves a lot of actors, uh, main actors from Stephen King uh, adapted movies. So I highly suggest taking a look at that if you get Hulu. I want to thank all the Patreon supporters because without you... Um, I wouldn't be able to do this show, kind of, because I was paying for it before, but you make it a lot easier. So thank you to all the Patreon supporters. I really appreciate your support. Um, There is a contest. I'm going to extend the contest uh, one more week. And the reason why is I was supposed to do the drawing on October 5th, but Sierra, who's my niece, who we've raised and she was 12, she's going to be in town on Friday. So I won't be doing a recording on Friday. Um, So if somebody comes in with a late entry, then I won't be able to add them to the contest. So I think it'll only be fair to do it next Friday because then that'll be a definitive end time. So if you want to be entered to win one of these really cool dragon mugs, SpaceX dragon capsule mugs, uh, all you have to do is leave a review on iTunes and send me an email saying you left the review because it takes a while for iTunes to populate those reviews. So I just take your word for it with the email. Or you can become a Patreon supporter, or you can do both, and you get two entries to win the mug. So, okay, so moving on here. So I think the final date would be October 12th. 
and there's only five or six people that are entered. So um, you got a really good chance of winning one of those mugs. So let's get to the news. First up, this is from Fred Lambert at Electric. The VW Neo will be VW's new mass market and affordable EV. The affordable is kind of important. The Neo will be offered in three battery pack configurations, but we don't know what those are at the moment. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, I think last week, it'll be based on the MEB platform, and it'll start around $30,000. So I think that's pretty good um, as compared to the Model 3. The entry level will have a range of 205 miles. Way back in 2016, when I first started doing this podcast, VW thought that um, their anticipated range would be four to 600 uh, kilometers, which is 250 to 375 miles. Uh, they're falling a little short of that, but I think that's okay. 205 miles for $30,000, um, $30, I think is pretty fair. Let's see. Uh, we'll likely see the car in 2019. I think we'll likely see the car at the end of 2019, and we'll see um, we'll see it mass market uh, production in 2020. That's my guess. Next up, Fred Lambert, the uh, electric, the Audi e-tron SUV will be coming to the U.S. Oh, excuse me, will not be coming to U.S. auto dealers, which I'm sure is going to make them happy. Audi is going to try the Tesla-esque route, and they're going to do direct-to-customer orders. I'm sure the U.S. dealers are going to have a problem with this, and there's going to be lawsuits. But since Tesla has already won lawsuits against the Dealers Association in several of these states, I think that Audi will be okay. Um, historically dealers haven't really pushed for EVs as compared to the ICE car. And this makes sense. So the job of the, the, the dealership is to get rid of the inventory that's on their lot, not to sell inventory that's not on their lot because they don't get money for that that day and people can still change their mind. So, um, customer comes in to buy the Audi e-tron. Let's pretend that it's being sold at a dealership and there are none on the lot. Uh, so they say, well, it'll take three weeks for you to get this Audi e-tron, or we can show you this another, uh, other Audi SUV and sell it to you right now. And the salesperson, they want to make money and they have, uh, goals and achievements that they have to hit that are hoisted upon them by management. So the salesperson and, and management, they're going to push you to buy that ice car. So, um, I hope this works out for Audi. Uh, it kind of makes sense the, the way that they're doing it. Uh, I'm sure the dealers are going to put up a fuss. But Audi is going to be holding uh, events to market to U.S. customers, and those are going to be at the Electrify America um, charging stations, which VW owns. Uh, second, third story of the day from Fred Lambert. Again, this is a Fred Lambert heavy story, our week Peugeot has unveiled their new concept car. This is a really cool looking car. It looks like a late 1960s muscle car. Mid to late 1960s. It's a kind of an amalgamation of a couple different vehicles. It kind of looks so in the front it looks a bit like a Camaro, in the back it looks a little like a Mustang. Uh 
to my eye. And then you got some Mopar elements that are surrounding the, the car. It's a very, very nice looking car. The inside of the vehicle has those um, nice big plush seats that you would see in muscle cars way back when. Um, the vehicle is going to be called the E-Legend, and it's built for driving for people who like to drive. It's not, they're not billing it as this is going to be an autonomous car. They're like, this is a car that you're going to want to drive. And I appreciate that. Now it's going to have uh, some autonomous capabilities, but it's not going to be um, pushing the autonomy, autonomous driving. And that's probably because Peugeot isn't there yet. So the way that you market that is you say, well, this is a car that's built to drive. Now, hopefully the marketing matches the, the vehicle and it is really built to drive. That'd be awesome. Uh, at first they're going to have the first model is going to come out with a hundred and kilo, a hundred kilowatt hour battery, which will get you with 600 kilometers or 373 miles. And I'm sure that's going to cost. It's probably going to, you know, be upwards close to a hundred thousand dollars for that car. We'll see. As far as I know, Peugeot doesn't make anything that, that sells in the United States. So, um, I'm jealous of all the folks in Europe. Uh, I got a, a PR notification in my email from Lucid Motors. Lucid Motors is partnering with Electrify America, which, like we said, is the Volkswagen effort uh, for fast DC charging. Electrify, Electrify America, if you don't know, is like uh, the Tesla supercharger network, but it's not owned by Tesla. So um, I'm pretty sure Electrify, uh, let's see, I already said that, Uh those events Audi was planning, they're going to be held at these locations. Electrify America is planning on spending, as part of the settlement that VW has, $2 billion to build out superchargers just in the United States. Uh, so Lucid Motors, when they start production in 2020, they will have a charging network in place. So good for them. In a, in a while, because their um, factory is going to be about an hour south maybe 40 minutes south of where I live. I'm going to start driving out there and taking a peek, see how that's progressing. And then I'll head over to Coolidge because it's not that far away and take a look at the Nikola Motors factory as well. See about getting that, uh, how those things are shaping up. Fred Lambert in this next story. Tesla has a final assembly plant in the Netherlands. This is not new. We've actually talked about this before. Um, and it's in Tilburg. Hopefully I'm saying that right. It's about 78,000 square meters, 840,000 square feet. It does final assembly for the Model S and Model X. It has an indoor track, which I thought was super cool the first time we talked about this. A huge solar array, and that's why we talked about this. Um... But one of the things is uh, Tesla's setting up another facility nearby. It's about half the size, which is still pretty large, of the original factory. We don't know what they're going to use this new space for, the new facility, but I would imagine that it's going to be for Model 3 and possibly Model Y assembly until they can get the Gigafactory, European Gigafactory, up and going. And it's been a rumor for a while that Germany is in the running like out front to get the Gigafactory, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Honestly, still the case. But an argument can be made for uh, 
having that gigafactory in the Netherlands, but it would be much, much larger than this original facility by a lot. Uh, I think this is the one of the final stories from Fred Lambert. That huge battery installation Tesla installed in Australia, it's the second one that they installed, not the first one. It cost $66 million, where the other one cost about 100 and some million. Um, this installation has already made back $17 million in six months, which is really impressive. Um, the original in- installation, South Australia, they have reduced grid service costs by 90%. So um, it's really showing that the it's really showing that the um, these peaker plant replacements of these power stations it, well worth the money. So hopefully we'll see, see more of those. And this is a Clean Technica article by Matt Pressman. Jerome Gillen, Gillen, I don't know, will be Tesla's next president. Jerome is being promoted from within Tesla. His last task for Tesla was overseeing the Tesla Semi project. Before that, he worked for Daimler Truck Division, and Elon called. Uh, Elon said that he managed the most successful semi program ever, which is pretty impressive. Great praise. Hopefully, this is going to give Elon some space. Now we already know. We'll talk about this later. He's going to get some space from some of his other duties, but hopefully Elon will get some space and be able to get a little bit more stability, both for him and Tesla. And Elon can go back to a regular person's work-life balance. Uh, Jerome is going to oversee the automotive operations, program management, and automotive supply chain. And if I didn't say this, he's going to be the new president, kind of like Glenn Shotwell at uh, SpaceX. Seems like he's going to have a lot of work to do, this uh, new president, but I'm sure he's going to have help. And uh, this is what a lot of investors and customers have been calling for. So we'll kind of see how how that works out for Tesla. Hopefully it works out really well for them. Now let's get into um, the SEC and Elon. Uh, this is an amalgamation of Fred Lambert and um, Wired's Aaron Marshall. So there are two stories kind of mixed together. So where I got this. Uh, let's see. Okay. So on Thursday, the Securities and Exchange Commission, they regulate things like the stock market and a bunch of other stuff. They said they're going to sue Tesla for Elon saying they're gonna, he's taking Tesla private. They're accusing Elon of uh, making a series of false statements and misleading statements. A series of false and misleading statements. Excuse me. So the SEC wrote, (laughs) Musk made his false and misleading statements about Tesla private, taking Tesla private using his mobile phone in the middle of an active trading day. He did not discuss content of the content of his statements with anyone else prior to publishing them, publishing them to his 22 million Twitter followers and anyone else with access to the internet. He also did not inform NASDAQ that he intended to make this public announcement as NASDAQ rules require. So um, Elon replied to this, and uh, this is just an excerpt of what he said. This unjustified action by the SEC leaves me deeply saddened and disappointed. 
I have always taken action in the best interest of truth, transparency, and the investors. Integrity is the most important value of my life, and the facts will show that I never compromised in any way. And then Tesla's board is unsurprisingly backing Elon on this because, you know, kind of handpicked by Elon. Now, this was before uh, Saturday where they reached a settlement. Now, Tesla, Elon, and the SEC have all reached a settlement. And um, we'll never find out uh, whether the facts will show that Elon didn't compromise because the settlement is, is already done. So Elon and Tesla will each pay $20 million fine. So it's $40 million, and that money will be go back to um, pay the investors back who were harmed by market swings due to uh, Elon's uh, communications in August because there were, there were lots of really weird things that happened in August. Tesla will also appoint two new independent board members, um, like I said before, the board was pretty much handpicked by Elon, which is not uncommon for uh, CEOs. Um, Tesla will now have oversight over Elon's communications with investors. So this is any communication that has to do with uh, Tesla. So if Elon wants to talk about how great the the new video game that he's playing is, which he does play video games, that's not going to affect this. It's just the the tweets about Tesla. Uh, let's see. E- Elon's going to have to step down as Tesla's chairperson for a minimum of three years, and Tesla will have to um, appoint a independent chairperson, not somebody that Elon picks. Somebody that's independent that can stand up to Elon and and not uh, bend over Elon's um, personality which is, uh, from what I understand, very difficult. Not just Elon, it was just anybody in general. Um, way back when, just a little color, way back when, when uh, I think it was Satya Nadella took over Microsoft, both Steve Ballmer and Bill Gates were on the board. And I don't know if, I can't remember if those two were both, both exited the board or if, um, they stayed on the board but agreed not to really interfere because you have Steve Ballmer, who was the former CEO of Microsoft, Bill Gates, who's the founder and former CEO of Microsoft, on the board. Anything that Sachin Nadella wants to do that he feels is good is going to be difficult because he has to overcome the hurdle of those two titans. So it's not uncommon for CEOs to put people on the board that will support their agenda. It makes complete and total sense. Um also, it makes sense to have people that disagree with you on the board to keep you in check. So having said that, um, this could have been real. This could have been really bad for Elon. He could have been removed uh, from Tesla altogether and just barred from uh, having anything to do with Tesla. And this is if Elon fought and lost, um, it would have made it, made it much more difficult for him to raise money for his other companies. And uh, as we know, he has many of those at the moment, and uh, I'm sure he didn't want to jeopardize any of those other uh, companies. So Elon, even though the SEC thing is done and and buried, and um, Elon still owns 22% of the company, uh, not a lot's changed. If 
a lot of people that are way smarter than I am, they are saying that Elon got off uh, this pretty light and um, kind of a slap on the wrist. So uh, with any luck, yeah, that it'll make a better, it'll make Elon a better CEO. But this isn't all, uh, all done because Elon and Tesla are still dealing with the Department of Justice probe over uh, the funding secured freed, uh, <laughs> funding secured tweet because that could be possible fraud. And so he's got to deal with that. Uh, there's a class action lawsuit filed by investors because uh, the volatility of the stock in August, which I talked about, and maybe that $20 million to $40 million from Tesla and Elon will make that lawsuit go away. Who knows? And then there's also Vern Unsworth. He's suing Elon because Elon called him a pedo. So we'll see how that goes. All right. So right at 19 minutes and 45, 52 seconds. So um, we're going to make this uh, last one kind of quick. But uh, Melinda, who's very nice, and um, my computer just turned off. That's fun. Hold on just a second. It locked. Oh, it's still recording. Thank God. Okay, I just installed Mojave on this thing, and I've never seen the screensaver before. Okay, moving on. Melinda uh, very nicely emailed me a question for the show, because mostly when I get uh, have correspondence with listeners, we just go back and forth on on email, and I never bring it up on the show. So um, it was very nice for her to ask these questions, and it was uh, in regards to the Model 3 and the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration's ratings, which mean, which if you don't remember, you didn't listen last week, Model 3 got a 5 in all categories. So that's, that's fantastic. So um, first of all, Melinda, thank you very much. I hope more people uh, write in and ask questions because uh, that makes the podcast more fun. And I, they're really thoughtful questions, so I do appreciate it. Uh, the first is, I think it would be interesting to hear, I think it would be an interesting topic, excuse me, to hear your impressions of the Model 3 and the, um, as a firefighter, now that the NHTSA ratings are public. So, as a firefighter, as a, as a, as a private individual, I think those ratings are amazing. As a firefighter, they don't mean a lot to us. Um, if we go on a if we go on a call, and uh, let's let's say the car requires extrication, which means we have to cut somebody out of the vehicle, we have these tools that do. We have a, one tool that is a ram, and it extends things out. We have one tool that is a spreader, which most people call the jaws of life, and we have another tool that's a giant set of scissors that will cut through just about anything. So when we go on an extrication, the things that we're really worried about is how hard is it going to be to get into this vehicle? And most vehicles just require a door pop, and that's pretty easy. We can pop that with the spreaders, removing the door from the nader pin. Um, but the thing that we're more concerned about is when we're popping that door, is the door going to tear? Because cheap cars, cheap model cars, and even some of the expensive cars, those cars don't hold up well to the spreaders. They tear, it makes it more difficult to get into the car. Um, you know, we're going to do things like popping the door, rolling the dash, which means moving the, if the dash is, uh, if the engine is 
pushed into the uh, passenger compartment. The engine isn't literally pushed into the passenger compartment, but the engine pushes all the other stuff like the dash onto the patient. We're going to do a thing. We're going to roll the dash, which basically means we're going to remove the dash from the patient. Um, and then we're going to remove the roof. Those kinds of things, we're going to do that on any car. It doesn't matter what the safety rating is. Where it becomes um, more interesting to us, and I've actually done a class on this uh, with my crew, where it becomes more interesting to us is where are those high voltage lines running through? I've ne- I have never, I don't even think I've done any sort of extrication on a hybrid. So much less an EV, electric vehicle. So this is all new to me in terms of what we do in the in the field. But as far as I can tell, we're not going to do anything different with the exceptions of we're going to really want to know where those high voltage lines are, where we can and can't cut um, or crimp because we don't want to kill firefighters. In terms of um, if the fire, if there's a fire in the vehicle, um, we already know that we have to put massive amounts of water on it. And it's going to take a long time uh, before we can leave the scene because those batteries reignite. But people live and die very odd. It's very odd how people live and die. Um, Just real quick, uh, we had a a relatively low high uh, front end collision. So both cars, the front of both cars hit each other. It was kind of offset. So each driver got the the full impact. It was on the left side of each car. Um, They were driving towards each other. They are both big SUVs. Both drivers died, um, which is amazing because the damage to the vehicles was not that high. Um, Is in terms to a lot of calls where somebody's died. Usually, if somebody dies, there's a lot of a lot of damage to the vehicle. So, in comparison to the injuries, which in this case was death there there wasn't a lot of damage and then you know um some the crews that uh, were on before i was last shift they were saying that they had a patient that was ejected who was thrown from the vehicle and the vehicle rolled several times and this patient had scrapes and, and bruises but was fine and the car was completely demolished so um i think that crash test ratings are great um but in terms of what I do for my job, it doesn't make that big of a difference for us. Uh, the real big things are kind of the things that I illustrated. And there's other things there that uh, are also really important. But it, I don't want to get into the weeds. So um, then she asked if there is, uh, if car companies are expected, and this is a really good uh, question. So Tesla has their first responder guides, which tell you how to um extricate the uh, somebody out of the vehicle without getting yourself killed right so the um sorry my wife my kids are at swim and my wife is sending me a thousand pictures of my kids because apparently they did something good today um so it's a little distracting the the responder guides tell first responders how to disassemble the vehicle or how to put out a fire Okay. Tesla is very good and put out, they put out their responder guides and it's well known that Tesla has responder guides for their vehicles. What a little, what's a little less known is that most car companies do have responder guides for their uh, electric vehicles and their hybrids, but they are a little bit harder to find. 
Um, so what she was asking is, are car companies expected to put out these responder guides? And I would say, as far as I know, not officially, but it is really nice for them to do that. And I'm going to talk about something in a second. Um, the second part of her question is, um, while on our way to uh, an accident, we call them 962s. So we're traveling to a 962 going code 3. Is somebody pulling this information up? Kind of, uh, And I like the way, she, um, I like this um Example, is somebody pulling something, uh, information up like a football defensive coordinator pulling stats on the other team during the game, which is a great kind of analogy. Um, is somebody pulling that information up or is it just training? And I'm going to say it's just training because we get so little information. It's two sentences, maybe three, uh, about what the call is. And then that's it. Sometimes there's an update, but not typically because we're uh, where we need to be within three to seven minutes, uh, probably 90% of the time. So there's not a lot of time to update us during that, that time. So we don't know what we're coming into. We'll get, um, and we're also relying on the public who is not educated in this stuff typically to, to dis- describe what's going on. So what's bad for somebody that's just a, a pedestrian a late person on the street, a civilian, is not bad to firefighters. So um, it kind of, the carnage description typically doesn't match uh, what we get there in reality. It's usually much less of a big deal. Conversely, if we get something and it doesn't sound like a big deal, we get there, it's usually a huge deal. So it's kind of this weird thing. So information isn't reliable, I guess is what I'm saying there. Um, We take it we analyze it. We say, okay, this sounds great, but we know it's, it could be com- something completely different. Now, if we get a lot of information and it's a uh, car versus a semi and there's multiple vehicles involved and we have uh, information that extrication is required, then we start talking about these things in the truck, like who's going to do what before we get there. But it's not a plan about the car. It's a plan about how we're going to handle the scene and, and handle the emergency so, and the longer crews work together, the less you have to have those conversations. So there's a, there's a emergency response guidebook for haz, hazmat. So it tells you, um, you look up the chemical and it tells you how far away you need to stay, whether or not you can put water on it, that kind of information. I won't go into all that stuff, but basically there's this book that everybody uses in the fire service and it's called the ERG, Emergency Response Guidebook. The National Fire Protection Agency, they hand, they put together this book. It's a PDF, and you have to log into their site to download it, which I think is silly because it's a free PDF. But they put together this PDF of this of similar, it's a range similar to the ERG, so firefighters are already kind of um, used to, to looking things up the way the ERG requires you to look things up. So that kind of helps us um, in terms of, we can look up these these vehicles fairly quickly if you have this uh, book. But the book covers hydrogen vehicles, EVs, uh, hybrid, plug-in hybrid, natural gas, and propane. The problem is it's a PDF. So we have, we have our phones. Everybody's got their phones. And I have the book on my phone. We have one iPad to do uh, patient care. So that iPad's going to be uh, busy uh, with the charting medic because they're going to be doing patient care so we're not going to be able to look this book up on uh, the ipad 
it's just not going to happen. So we're going to rely on our cell phones and hopefully we brought them. Uh, so yeah, so let me look at this next thing here. I hope that answers that question and isn't too confusing. I already answered. Okay. So I hope that helps. There is a book. I don't think it's very well known and I am trying to make it more well known within the system that I work under, which involves multiple fire departments. Uh, and it, basically we just, as firefighters get together at the hospital or on calls or whatever and chat and these things come up, but then I, I bring it up and I usually send them a link so that they can get it themselves. Um, okay. There is a training video called advanced. Um, the group is called advanced extrication and they took apart a model X. So she sent a, and I'll put a link in this in the show notes. She sent a video of this, these guys pulling apart a model X, which is awesome. And those guys seem to have an in with Tesla cause they also did something with the solar roof. Um, there are, it's really hard for, to get somebody to give you a brand new car to cut up. Uh, they're typically only going to give those to a couple of people. So I'm sure there are, um, I, I actually follow these guys on Twitter, excuse me, on, uh, YouTube. So, um, I'm sure there'll be more now that the model three is out. Um, but as of now, there's nothing for the model three. There is something for the model S and I think it's by the same group. Um, another group took apart a model X at like an expo. Yeah, I think that's it. It's all I can think of at the top of my head, off the top of my head. And then, um, I don't know if this was a question or if I just wrote this. Before, I'm just going to read this because I can't remember if I wrote this or if this was a question. Before electric cars, I never considered that there was a difference from one car to another in a wreck besides severity. Um, this is the problem with prepping on a Tuesday and recording on a Wednesday and then really recording on a Sunday. So 99% of our calls, we're not going to do anything different, whether it's an electric car or a, an ice vehicle. Um, most calls, if it requires extrication, that just means that we're going to pop the door off. We're going to pop the door off the nader pin and we're, we're going to pop the door off the hinges. So that we'll just completely remove the, the door and that's 99% of the calls. Sometimes we don't even have to remove the, the door from the hinges to get the patient out. Um, and then once we leave the, the scene, the, the care for that vehicle, that either resides with the tow company in the tow yard and the impound yard or, the, or PD. We do our best to mitigate the problem to the best of our abilities. But we are required, you know, we have to get back in service in a timely manner to serve the the community that is paying us to serve them. So um, we'll do our best to disable the car so that it's not a safety issue. However, in an electric vehicle case, it can c catch on fire 24 hours after the after the accident. So, um, you know, we will cut like battery cables, for instance, like the negative battery cable on an ice car, because the, there's a capacitor for the airbags and that capacitor is storing that energy. And if a tow truck driver's in there and they're rooting around or a firefighter for that matter, 
and they happen to set off that airbag, which is after you've been in an accident, that is very likely to happen. It's not as likely as it used to be, but it's still, it can happen. Um, it doesn't, you know, if we cut that negative, that capacitor will eventually, um, the power will eventually slow down or uh, drain, and we won't have to worry about issues of uh, anybody getting hurt that way. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. I hope that answers your questions and it wasn't too confusing because this is something I've been doing since I've been 18. I started as a volunteer firefighter at 18 years old. So um, I hope that I didn't use terms that were um, too inside baseball and confusing. So let me know. But that's the whole show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. I'm going to record, like I said, on Tuesday uh, for release on Friday. And then on, what's the other day? On October 12th, we'll give away that cup. If you want to email me, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. That's 918-D-I-G-I-T-A-L.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at 918digital. And that's it. Like I said, I hope everyone has a wonderful week. I'll talk to you on Friday, and uh, take care. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.